And last week, we just talked about a prayer for America. And we need to be concerned about our freedom as Americans, as believers in this nation. Concerned and praying about our freedom. Today, I want us to begin to personalize this more. A lot of people will ask, they'll say, well, Pastor, why are you doing a a whole series on freedom uh, to a lot of folks who supposedly are already free? Well, let me tell you what I've come to discover. I've come to discover that there are just as many believers in bondage as there are unbelievers in bondage. I believe Jesus came to save, deliver, and heal. Our problem is we want to go straight from being saved to healed and bypass this whole issue of deliverance because some of us don't want to admit we actually need to be delivered from some things. I'm hoping that throughout this series that the Holy Spirit will begin to open our spiritual eyes and our ears so that we can hear what the Spirit wants to say to us and see what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do in our lives. And I'm praying that if there is an area of bondage in your life, now we don't, we don't like to refer to it as bondage. A lot of times we say, well, you know, like for me, we'll say, well, I'm a Massey. Masseys are known for their tempers. And so that's just who we are. But I woke up one day and I realized maybe that's not just a Massey thing. Maybe that's a spiritual bondage in my life. Maybe that's a generational iniquity that needs to be broken in my family. And so I decided that a long time ago that I'm not going to be dominated and I'm not going to respond by my emotions. I'm not going to let my emotions get the best of me. And I'm going to let God break that stronghold in my life. And let me tell you something, that was a stronghold that I could not break by myself. I needed divine help. Now what I'm hoping that this will do as well is as we go into the fall and we begin our freedom groups back, I think uh, before they were called life groups, that when we begin those freedom groups back, that those of you who haven't been through a freedom group, that you will pray strongly about getting involved in a freedom group we've got some great leadership and we'll be saying more about our freedom groups and more about all of our small groups in the weeks to come but I believe that as we go through this series that this is going to help some of you recognize maybe I need divine help and I need others to help me to break free from some things in my life And so today, here's what I want to begin talking to you about. I want to talk to you today about experiencing real freedom. And guys, for some reason, the remote uh, doesn't seem to be working. But we're going to talk today about experiencing real freedom. And, And the reason why I say experiencing real freedom is because we sometimes get confused about what real freedom and what real bondage is in our lives you know when Jesus came the Bible says that Jesus came in Luke chapter 4 and he announced to us what his purpose of his ministry was what the mission of his ministry was and he he he, he mentioned about five things and out of those five things two of those things was this he said I've come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners 
And he said, I've also come to release the oppressed. So much of Jesus' ministry was all about setting people free. Much of Jesus' ministry was a deliverance ministry. But Jesus didn't just teach and preach about freedom. He actually set people free. And when you go and you study the ministry of Jesus, you're going to discover that Jesus spent much of his ministry setting people free from all kinds of spirits and from all kinds of bondages in their lives. In Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, the prophet speaks, and it doesn't look like our PowerPoint is going to work this morning, but in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, the prophet Hosea, God speaks through the prophet And he says this to them. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, let me tell you why God spoke this through the prophet Hosea. He he spoke this through the prophet because the people at that time did not have a good knowledge of who God was. And not just of who God was, but they didn't have a really good knowledge of what God's purpose and plan and God's will was for their lives. And they were being destroyed as a result of that. There's a lot of believers today who are being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Who do not have the knowledge of God that they need. Who do not have the knowledge of God's plan and purpose and will for your life. And because of that... People's lives are being destroyed, especially when it comes to the area of bondage and freedom. I am convinced, and please don't be offended when I use the word ignorance, because the word ignorance is just another word for lack of knowledge. It's not an insult by any means, but we're really ignorant sometimes when it comes to bondage and freedom. And so today I want to talk to you about what real bondage is, And then I want to talk to you about what real freedom is. First of all, let's talk about what real bondage is. Real bondage is the condition of the dissatisfied. The the condition of the dissatisfied. Now listen, if satisfied means to be content and happy, then dissatisfied means to be discontent and unhappy. And when we are discontent and when we are unhappy, what do we do? We begin a pursuit of trying to find things that will help us to be contented and things that we will, that that, that we think will help us find happiness. A lot of believers today are discontent. A lot of believers today are unhappy. They're discontented and unhappy in their marriages. They're discontented and unhappy financially. They're discontented and unhappy with their jobs. They're discontented and unhappy with themselves. That is how they look, how they feel, their accomplishments. And so because of that dissatisfaction, that discontentedness and unhappiness, we begin a pursuit that we think is going to lead us to freedom, but we find ourselves in more bondage. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. It says that hell and destruction are never full 
So the eyes of man are never satisfied. And it's not just speaking to men here. It's speaking to all people that hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied, always discontented, always unhappy, always needing more to fulfill or to gratify the desires from within. In Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 5, we read about the Babylonians. And at this time, the Babylonians were ruled by Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible tells us about Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. It says that because he transgresses by wine. Now, here's what that means. They were drinking to the point of getting inebriated. They were drinking to the point of getting drunk. And it says because he transgressed by wine, he is a proud man. And may I tell you, at the root of all discontentedness, at the root of all unhappiness is pride. And it says that he is a proud man and he does not stay at home. Because here's what Nebuchadnezzar and the nation of Babylon, uh, that many times in the Old Testament they were referred to as the Chaldeans, and they were never satisfied. They would go and conquer one nation and, and take the spoils, and that wasn't enough. They would go and get another nation and take the spoils. Then they would go and conquer another nation and take the spoils. They could never be satisfied. And the scripture goes on and says, because he enlarges his desire as hell. His desires were as large as hell, and he is like death, look at this, and cannot be satisfied. I know some people like this. They get, and they get, and they get, and they get, and it's never enough. They are never satisfied. In Ezekiel chapter 16, listen to what God spoke through the prophet. He said, you also played the harlot with the Assyrians. Now he's talking about the nation of Israel. And Israel, trying to be bigger, trying to be better, thinking that they would be more protected and better provided for, instead of trusting God, they form an alliance with an enemy nation, the Assyrians. And he said, you have played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. You could not be satisfied. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. And then in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2, listen to what the prophet said. He said, why do you spend money for, on bread? Or why, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? And this is what I see people doing. Spending everything they've got using up all of their resources, thinking that this is the answer to my dissatisfaction. This is the answer to the desires of my soul. This is the answer to my discontentedness and my unhappiness. And they spend everything they have. But instead of being free, what are they? They are in more and more and greater bondage. But God wants to speak to us this morning and he wants us to know that divine satisfaction can only be found in him. Listen to what the psalmist says here in Psalms. It says in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 11, it says that the Lord will guide you continually and listen to what he will do. He will satisfy your soul. Now listen to me this morning. This is a soul issue. This is a spirit issue that we are talking about today. We're not talking
talking about necessarily our flesh. We're not necessarily talking about the external as much as we are the internal, the inside of man. And he said that only God can satisfy your soul. And I love the way he says it here. He says that he'll guide you continually. He will satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a well-watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. This pursuit of satisfaction... It can only be quenched. This thirst can only be quenched in God. Listen to what in John chapter 8. Listen to what Jesus himself, or in John 6, Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. Remember he talked about spending your money on what is not bread? Well, what is bread? Jesus is bread. Jesus is the one who can strengthen and nourish us. He said, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And then I love 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to what it says. Talking about God's power, it says that his divine power has given us everything we need. How many of you know everything that we need comes from God? Hallelujah. Oh, everything that we need. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Notice, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Well, if my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, notice what happens when we get a knowledge of who God is, when we know who God is, when we know what God can do, when we know what God's plan, purpose, and will is for our lives, then we understand that his divine power is all we need to sustain us in life and in godliness. Somebody thank God for his presence this morning, for his power today. But bondage, first of all, is the condition of the dissatisfied. It it leads us on a pursuit of things that we think are going to bring freedom and contentedness and happiness, but we only find ourselves in more bondage. But here's another thing that bondage is, and that is bondage is enslavement to destructive habits or other negative patterns that we cannot break free from. In other words, it requires divine assistance and divine help. Yes, we need the help of others, but the help of others alone is not enough. We need God's help to break some of these destructive habits and negative patterns in our lives. How many of you have ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Everybody in this room. We've even quoted scriptures by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was the greatest apostle who ever lived. He wrote a third of the New Testament. He wrote as much scripture about freedom from bondage as Jesus did. But he still struggled As a believer, notice what the Bible says here in Romans about Paul's struggle. Romans chapter 7. Now this is is the greatest apostle who ever lived talking. He said, I don't understand myself at all. 
Has anybody ever felt like that before? I don't understand myself at all. He said, for I really want to do what's right. I think every one of us in this room here today would agree with him. We really want to do what is right. But notice what he says, but I don't do it. This is Paul, greatest apostle who ever lived, wrote a third of the New Testament. And the reason why I'm bringing this out is because there's a lot of people that believe that believers cannot be in bondage. Oh, you're wrong. (laughs) Believers can be in bondage. And I'm hoping that through this series that God will help us maybe to recognize some of the bondages in our own lives. Because until we recognize that we're bound, we will not ever be able to get free. But notice what he says. He says, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Now, you're not probably going to hear this from your pastor. I feel just like this sometimes. I really do. This struggle that goes on between our spirit and that, 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 that sin nature within us. And Paul even talks about it like that. Let's go to that next passage of Scripture. He said, I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong. And my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good. In other words, I feel bad about it when I do it. But he says, but I can't help myself. Because it is sin, look at this, inside me that makes me do these evil things. Listen, the battle is inside us. We think it's external. It's not external, it's internal. And he said, it's this sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. Now, let me tell you what Paul is not saying here. Paul is not saying the devil made me do it. You know, we love to blame folks, don't we? And we love to blame circumstances, don't we? When when we fail or when we can't seem to live the life that, that, that we desire to live. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is talking about this struggle with his sin nature on the inside of him. And he said, it's not me, but it's this sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. And when he says makes me do, he's talking about that's where the desires are coming from. And then notice what he says in this next passage of Scripture, verse 18. He said, I know I'm rotten through and through. So far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, he said, I can't make myself do right. And none of us in this room here today without divine help, we cannot make ourselves do right. You can sit in your house and you can say, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to talk about that person like that again. I'm never going to gossip again. I'm never going to overeat again. I'm never going to do any of those kinds of things again. But without divine help, you'll never be able to master that thing in your life. He said, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but he said, I can't. But then notice what he says in the next passage of Scripture, verse 19. He says, when I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Then he says, but if I'm doing what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. The sin within me, within me, is doing it. You know, here's what James said in James uh, chapter 1. He said that when, when, when you're tempted, he said, let no man say that God is the one who is tempting them because God doesn't tempt any man. But he says temptation comes from the desires that rise up on the inside of us. 
So it's our desires. We desire something to content us. We, we desire something to make us happy. And then when we pursue something thinking that that's going to make us contented or we pursue something, we, we see something, should I say, that we think is going to bring contentment or we see something that we think is going to bring happiness, then the Bible says that that, that we see appeals to the desire that we have. And then it says that when desire is conceived, That is, when it has taken root in your life, when you act upon that temptation and that desire to pursue that thing, he said, then it ends in death. And Paul is saying the same thing here. But then notice what he says in the next passage of Scripture. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? And then notice what he says. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Because I know what some of you were thinking. Some of you were thinking, well, pastor, is there any hope? Pastor, is there any way that we can ever break free from this life of bondage? Absolutely there is. And what Paul is trying to tell us is we'll never be able to do it in and of ourselves. We can only do it with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus do? Jesus is the one that when we ask him, he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what every one of us need. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of us. How many of you ever heard that old song, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside? That's bad theology. No, we say, I got Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. No, let me tell you what good theology is. I got Jesus on the inside, working on the inside. Oh, what a change in my life. I got Jesus on the inside, working on the inside. Oh, what a change in my life. Because that's what brings changes when he works from the inside out. I want you to notice three levels of bondage with me this morning. This is important. If you're not taking notes, you need to start taking notes now. Three levels of of bondage. I know what some of you are saying. Well, I'll go back and watch it again and then I'll take notes. But right now, I just want to listen. Okay, well, if that's what you want to do, fine. Just make sure you get notes. Three levels of bondage. Here's number one. A lot of believers are in bondage to bad definitions. Now, now all I'm going to say about that is this. If I, had a ba- if I have a bad definition of what freedom is, I can pursue that and even obtain it and still be in bondage because I'm pursuing the wrong thing. Because I have a bad definition. And so what we're going to do before we leave here today is we're going to have a good biblical definition of what real freedom is. What is it that we're striving for? So there's bondage to bad definitions. Here's another bondage that folks are in. That is bondage to ourselves. We're in bondage to ourselves. We're in bondage because we have a false identity of who we are. Instead of going to Scripture and seeing, remember what he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Instead of going to God's Word and hearing what God has to say about who we are, we believe what others say we are. And we're in bondage to ourselves. We're in bondage to how we look. We're in bondage to our identity. We're in bondage to our image. We are in bondage in many times to our past. In bondage to ourselves. And then a third level of bondage is this, a bondage to a variety of obstacles. 
Now listen, I know that the reason why a lot of times people tune you out when you talk about bondage and freedom is because they immediately begin to think about drugs and alcohol and pornography. They begin to think about those kinds of things and they think, well, I don't struggle with drugs and I don't drink, you know, and I don't struggle with pornography, so I'm good. I'm good. But when I talk about a bondage to a variety of obstacles, I'm not talking about being in bondage to alcohol or being in bondage to drugs or being in bondage to pornography. Because listen to me, those are symptoms of deeper issues. And a lot of different people medicate different ways, trying to find some kind of an escape from what the real issues are. And the real issues go deeper. It's more things like hurt and fear and abuse. And so people are reaching for things that they, they, that, that they feel like will medicate and give, even if it's just a temporary escape. And that's why, that's when they end up, and that's, this is exactly the way that the enemy works. The enemy leads people to, to believe that their answer is alcohol or their an answer is drugs or, or their answer is another relationship. And, and, and I'm telling you that, that, that drinking and smoking and, and, and drugs and promiscuity and overeating and gossip and all of those things, those things, and, and yes, I throw gossip in with bondage because it is a bondage. There's something going on inside of people that causes them to want to talk about other people and causes them to want to talk about other people's circumstances. And it goes, it's just a symptom that lets us know, that makes us aware. For example, for example, when you are vomiting, vomiting is not a sickness. Vomiting is a symptom that you have a virus, that it goes something deeper and you've got to treat the virus in order to eliminate the vomiting. And it's the same way with bondage. You've got to eliminate what is at the root of that, of that bondage. And when you eliminate what is at the root of that bondage, then all of the symptoms will go away. And all of those things you thought you needed, you realize you don't need those things anymore. Amen. Variety of obstacles. And Holy Spirit is going to put a light on our hearts and he's going to show us what is it that we really need to be set free from? Bondage. Now let's talk about what real freedom is, and I'll just do this very quickly. Real freedom. But before we can understand what real freedom is, we've got to first of all understand what real freedom is not. All right? Because we have a lot of counterfeit definitions of freedom. And here's, here's, here's one counterfeit definition here. A lot of people think that freedom is just an absence of boundaries. An absence of boundaries. Let me tell you what a boundary is. A boundary is a property line. It's a property line. It lets me know where my property ends and my neighbor's property begins. And so when God establishes boundaries in our lives... Here's what God is doing. He is, he is establishing a property line, and he's saying, hey, this is, this is where life ends and death begins when you cross that boundary. You see, God does not establish boundaries in our lives to keep things from us. That's what Adam and Eve thought. You know, Eve, the enemy convinced her that the reason why God doesn't want you to eat from the tree, because get this, get this, God said you can eat from every tree tree in this garden 
Let's just say there were a thousand trees. They could eat from 999 of those trees. And God said, but this one right here, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot partake of because the minute that you eat from it, you're going to die. He established a boundary. He said, as long as you stay within the boundary you live, the moment that you cross the boundary, what do you do? You die. And what did Eve do? She got deceived by the enemy. She thought God was holding out something good on her. And she took the fruit. She ate it. She gave it to her husband and he ate. And they died. There is a purpose, ladies and gentlemen, for boundaries. I was going home the other day. I turned off Bryan Road onto Sellers Road. And there's some folks that have a little pasture land there with some animals, some goats and pigs and a donkey. And they had gotten out of the gate or out of the fence. One car had ran over in a ditch trying to avoid them. And all of a sudden, it just quickened in my spirit. This is what happens when folks get outside of boundaries. I mean, it could have cost those animals their life, and not only that, it could have cost an innocent person their life trying to avoid those who are outside of those boundaries. Listen to what the Bible says about boundaries. God said this in Psalm chapter 1 about establishing boundaries and boundaries that he's established for our lives. He said, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. These are some good boundaries right here. Or stand around with sinners or join in with scoffers. But he said, here's what you need to do. He said, delight in doing everything the Lord wants day and night. Think about his law. Go on to that next passage. They are like trees, he said, planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit. What are they doing? They're living. They're living. They're growing. They're fruitful. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fall. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do, they prosper. Go on to the next passage of Scripture. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Stay within the boundaries. Listen to what the Bible says in this next passage of Scripture, Proverbs 19, 18, that we need to establish boundaries for our kids. Discipline your children. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Discipline your children while there is hope. In other words, establish some boundaries. He said, if you don't, you will ruin their lives. Notice, they don't ruin their lives. You will ruin their lives by not establishing some boundaries for them. And then notice this next passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, some boundaries. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. We hear it like this, do not be unequally yoked. And we just assume that that means in marriage. He's talking about more than marriage. He's talking about in business deals. He's talking about in business ventures. He says this, he said, do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? You see, God has established some boundaries relationally for our lives. And as long as we stay within those boundaries, we live. But the moment that we think we can live outside of the boundaries that God has created, we die. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. So freedom is not an absence of boundaries. 
Here's another thing that freedom is not. Freedom is not an absence of frustrating habits. Because here's what some people believe. Well, if I could just stop drinking. If I could just stop being promiscuous. If I could just stop taking those drugs. Then I could be free. No. You're focusing in the wrong area. You're focusing externally. And you can eliminate all of those things and still have bondage in your heart. Look at what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 23. He said, how terrible it'll be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. He said, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. So he says, here's what we need to do. He said, you blind Pharisees. He said, you're in bondage. You don't even know it. He said, you blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup. And then the outside will become clean too. That's why I said Jesus on the inside, working on the inside. Oh, what a change in my life. So it's not just an absence of frustrating habits. And then here's a third thing, that freedom is not freedom. And this is what a lot of people believe. They believe that freedom will come when circumstances or relationships change. Well, pastor, what I need is I just need a change of scenery. I just need to move out of Alabama somewhere else. Or, or what I need is I just need a new spouse. That's my problem. Just need a new spouse. If I can just get away from her, if I can just get away from him, you know, and get into a good relationship. That's, that's, that's what I need. I just need to get out of the house. This is what kids think. This is what I thought when I was a teenager. Because mom and daddy are my problem. Mom and daddy are holding me back. And I just need to get out of the house. And some of you, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing maybe the kind of environment that you grew up in. Maybe it has contributed to some of the bondage in your life. But let me just share something with you this morning that the Holy Spirit shared with me years ago that helped me to break free from some things. And that is one day he spoke to me and he said, I want you to understand and I want you to tell my people that they did not come from their parents. You're like, well, where in the world did I come from? No, you need to understand, you did not come from your parents. You came through your parents. Do you hear me? You came from God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were formed by God in your mother's womb. You are his masterpiece. And the Bible tells us that we have been called by him and we have been adopted by him and that we are his masterpiece. You didn't come from him. You came through him. God is the one who brought you into this world because God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life that only you can fulfill. Oh, somebody give God a praise in this room right now. Hallelujah. So what is real freedom? Here's what real freedom is. Real freedom is the ability to act and react in life as the man or woman you were created to be. Now listen, that's important. Because there's too many believers who are not living, and definitely unbelievers, who are not living life, who are not acting and reacting in life as the man or woman that God created them to be. 
But they are acting and reacting in life according to the person that they have become as a result of their environments, as a result of their experiences, as a result of their hurt, as a result of the abuse, as a result of the pain, as a result of the discontentedness, as a result of the unhappiness. And they're living a life that God never intended for you to live. And if you are living in bondage today, God never intended for you to spend your years in bondage. Jesus came to set the captives free. Hallelujah. He came to set the captives free. And God wants every one of us to get to a place to where we are acting and we are reacting in life as the man or the woman that God created us to be. In other words, we're living life as God intended us to live life. And he said, the thief does come to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have life to the fullest. And a life of bondage is not a life to the fullest, no matter what that bondage is. But, oh, here's what I believe. I believe that when we get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into us and when we get into the Spirit of God and into the presence of God and the presence of God gets into us, that that is when we're going to experience real freedom. Look at this next passage of scripture here in Proverbs 23 and 7. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's important what you think. It's important who you think you are. It's important what you think about yourself. And so that's why Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. I told you we're going to look at a lot of scripture because he said this. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We're going to get a lot of truth. And notice what he said. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Here's the problem. All of us have been formed. We've even been formed by our experiences. We've been formed by our environments. We've been born or we've been formed by, 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 by the things that we've been taught, by the, by the lives that we have, we've been formed. And so because we've been formed perhaps to be people that are not the people that God intends us to be, now we need to be what? We need to be transformed. Transformed. He said the way that we are transformed is by the renewing of our minds. And then when our minds have been renewed, then we can be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So we're going to go from being formed to being transformed to being conformed into the image of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And he said, when you do that, when you renew your mind, then you'll know what God's will is for your life. Then you'll know what God's plan is. Then you'll know what God's purpose is for your life. And then look at this final passage of Scripture. John 8, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You want me to tell you why I use a lot of scriptures when I preach? Because I can get up here and share my opinion, and I can get up here and share many times my interpretation of those scriptures, but nothing sets free like truth. And when that truth takes root in your heart, then that's when freedom is going to break through in your life. Amen? Well, thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you as our guest here at Summerton Church of God. 
The Lord has given us a vision to transform our community. And we're going to do that by eliminating the darkness through being light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And so we're going to be who Jesus says we are. We worship together every Sunday at 1045. And we would love to have you and your family as our guests.